all know World War II was a terrible time in human history. Soldiers on both sides had to do and see terrible things. But what you may not know is that there were some soldiers who had a very unique job, which was to try and trick the Nazis into making poor tactical decisions. These soldiers used everything from fake communications to inflatable tanks in their so-called ghost army. The actual name of the American division was the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops. Very serious name for some work that uh, was serious at the time, but is also quite honestly super strange but the wikipedia page right it has like a, a patch and the patch is of a ghost right it's their their insignia it's like a ghost shooting lightning bolts <laughs> which is pretty awesome <laughs> i want one of these <laughs> if you're going to be a ghost you might as well be one that can shoot lightning is my, uh-huh. is my thought uh-huh. uh, we said an american army unit designated as a tactical deception unit which is a great classification of anything it's like we're just minutes into this and it just gets better and better all the time yeah tactical deception unit like it's just a fantastic they they were responsible for something that they kind of dubbed as the traveling road show which is again (laughs) i think these people just kind of wanted to escape the war that they were in a little bit right like so they created this thing so anyway the traveling road show consisted of inflatable tanks sound trucks fake radio transmissions and so many more kind of deceptive tricks to make the u.s army appear to be in more places than they were and this is not an original idea to the to the americans it actually earlier in in world war ii an operation uh, bertram british troops use tools like wooden tanks to help route the enemy through egypt the idea is that you can put up these these fake encampments and fake tanks and help control what your enemy is going uh, to be doing so not not a, a completely original idea to the americans but to your idea that you know these troops maybe wanted to not be in in the war in fact many of these troops came from art schools and advertising agencies so you have these like creative professionals you have art students being enlisted to help create these scenarios to create really these like 3d you know uh, live action like completely fake things uh to to help trick the nazis so one of the things that the 23rd were involved with was a fake D-Day landing in uh, Pas de Calais to help draw the Allied attention away from Normandy. So as they were storming the beaches in Normandy, which everybody knows about, right? Everyone knows about the D-Day landing and the troops coming on the beaches. The 23rd were in another part of France trying to draw some of the attention away. So they used dummy landing craft that was stationed at ports in eastern and southeastern England. They had these this craft all there so it looked like this was going to be their path so the Germans could see them and would maybe move forces towards that area. They used force radio traffic and double agents. It's all very cool. But it was a great way to draw some attention away and make it easier for those storming the beaches in Normandy. Right. It's the way I think about this is like a classic like magic trick where you want the audience to be looking at your right hand while your left hand is actually doing yeah, s- sleight of hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just with tanks and soldiers. <laughs> it's a big hand. Big hand. So let's let's get into the tactics a okay. little bit. They they really fall into three categories. You have visual deception, you have sonic and radio deception, and then you have what the twenty third called atmosphere. <laughs> but uh Let's start with the uh, visual deception. So the visual deception arm of the Ghost Army was the 603rd Camouflage Engineers. They just refused to name anything in a boring way. 
Right. <laughs> Camouflage engineers. <laughs> yeah. Where do they go? I don't know. We can't see them. <laughs> the 603rd had all sorts of projects. They would use inflatable tanks, inflatable cannons, fake Jeeps, trucks, and even mock-up airplanes to create, again, the, the visual picture of troops and of activity that were completely false. But it went way further than this. So, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about how they would create these pseudo-vehicles, right, to make it look like armies were moving around. But they would also create fake encampments complete with laundry hanging on clotheslines. And they would do all of this to make <laughs> it look like there were people around. Isn't that amazing? Like building something so artificial but like so detailed like you think it's about something like the truman show yep. which is the movie i just keep coming back to in my mind about this this is a hundred percent fake but the care that went into it like clothes like flapping in the breeze on a clothesline to help build the feeling that this is a, an actual yep a real place and they would even go as far as like hide i mean obviously they had to right they had to hide things like the air compressors so that enemy air reconnaissance wouldn't see them. Like, the whole thing has to be built in a way where, you know, like if you go around the corner and you see that it's not really a house, but it's just like a bunch of two-by-fours, uh-huh. it had to be done from every direction so it couldn't be spotted as a fake. But actually mentioning that about the uh, the air reconnaissance, so they would hide stuff like the air compressors, right, because it would give away the fact that it was fake. But they would also do things with some of the encampments where they wouldn't completely hide them. So they would camouflage those, like the encampments, the with the laundry stuff they would camouflage those imperfectly so it looked like they were there so so it's there's like a lot of nuance to this but it shows some really smart tactical thinking right if your camouflage is too good it looks fake exactly it's pretty cool sonic and radio deception so another amazing arm of this army the 3132 signal service company special handled sonic deception they were aided by engineers from bell labs and this company they recorded sounds of armored troops and infantry in bite-sized chunks and they would compile this like group of sound effects which they could mix together and they could basically fake scenarios for enemies to hear so they could have the sound of tanks and of troops marching into areas then they were able to play these with these massive amplifiers that could be heard from with a 15 mile range it's wild it's like a big like it's a big soundboard. These guys are yeah. DJs. They're like, oh, I need a little tank. Mix in a little aircraft repair. Like, <laughs> I need a little bit t- more tank in my monitors, please. Yeah, yeah. Could you just could you just up that in my headphones, please? Uh, the whole thing's brilliant. And again, it it allowed their missions to be really flexible. So if you built in a cannon that you know had a bunch of aircraft in it, then you could play more aircraft sounds. Again, to to make it more realistic because obviously if you just see this stuff but then if you have men on the ground and it's silent you're going to know that it's a ghost town the signal service company special also had spoof radio where they would create fake radio traffic mimicking other radio sounds and other operators methods of morse code so if people were listening in they were hearing a bunch of things that they thought were real and for all intents and purposes sounded real but again they were spoofed yeah that, that bit about even mimicking other operators methods is really interesting. So if you had, say, uh, a Morse code operator or a radio operator in the area, that operator is not doing this work, but they would mimic his techniques so it sounded more authentic. So if, if a German unit had heard 
this other person on the radio before, and then they heard him again. It wouldn't stand out as, oh, we've never heard this this operator before. It's pretty smart. It's a real level of care that runs through all of this. Yeah. You know, these people were obviously in a life and death situation, and they use this as a way, I guess, to kind of push them into different areas. So they would really care about just all the minute details, because that's what goes into creating such kind of an elaborate ruse. And this goes into what we call atmosphere. This is really kind of like everything else. So you had the like the physical projects, you had the audio projects, and atmosphere was really the theatrical effects you used to sort of polish it all up. Yeah, it's like the, the glitter being sprinkled on the top, basically. Yeah, so you had all sorts of examples of this. So you had all these troops and all these vehicles they would they would paint and put patches of other units on them so obviously they they can't use the ghost with the lightning shooting out of their hands but they would build all this stuff to mimic an actual deployment to simulate their presence trucks would be driven this is my favorite trucks would be driven in looping convoys with just two troops in the in the seats near the rear so you think about like in the Indiana Jones trucks you know like the got all these soldiers in them they would just put two guys back there. So if you're seeing it from the woods and you see the back of the truck, it looks like there are people in it, but really there's only two guys. Mm-hmm. And they would just drive these in like a huge looping convoy. And so if you were, you know, surrounded potentially or you know your road was being monitored, it would look like a lot more trucks were coming in and coming out when in reality it was only a couple. Troops would also wear the uniforms of other divisions and ranks acting as if they were serving in those roles, which also lends back to the insignia part. What they were trying to do was just to create the idea that there were many troops in that area. You know, they had many different parts of the army were there, but really it was just this one company so by making it look like there was more of them it felt like the army presence in a specific area was greater especially if you had higher ranking officers there as well it might look that they had a more significant presence than just our ghost army yeah so it's like okay so you uh are in the ghost army you're a painter from new york city you've enlisted or you've been drafted into this and suddenly you're dressing up as like a three-star general yeah telling other fake soldiers what to do (laughs) It's great. Yeah. It's so great. <laughs> so let, let's talk about dummy tanks for a minute. This is like a whole like side conversation that's uh-huh. really fascinating. In World War One, Allied forces would make use of dummy versions of British heavy tanks. They were usually constructed from wood and covered in cloth and then painted. So they were really heavy and obviously the tracks were non-functioning. So they built them around big carts so they could be pulled by horses. It was like a big tank-shaped cart. <laughs> With the wheels on it. I think the horse might have given it away, though. Like, I've been yeah, thinking about this. Where did the uh, horse go? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, if you if you are caught with your tank being pulled by, like, one horse, <laughs> it's like, wait a second. That's not. No way that's real. Uh, after World War One, it was found that Germany and some other powers had built fake wooden tanks as well. But it's thought that these were just used for training. That really only the Allied forces and really only the British had actually built like functioning deceptive tactics. It's not just the British and the Americans. During the Kosovo War, the Yugoslav army regularly placed dummy tanks in Kosovo, which misled the NATO forces into thinking they were destroying far more real tanks than actually they were. So they would put these dummy tanks in to be destroyed. So they would then feel like they were getting rid of more of the army than was actually the case, which is another really interesting use of stuff like this. You know, we've been thinking about these tanks as a way to trick 
forces, right? The Ghost Army were doing this, the Allied forces in World War One were doing this to kind of make it look like there was a larger presence. But the Yugoslav army, they did it as a way to make it look like the NATO forces were winning more than they actually were, which is another interesting way to deal with something like this. Now, all of this stuff, you know, we talk about World War One, World War Two, like there's no way these deception tactics could work today. However, the United States Army has actually developed a modern dummy tank. Of course we have. It imitates the M1 Abrams tank, not only in appearance, but they also now mimic its heat signature in order to appeal real to infrared detectors. This is a thing, right? Like, if you think about how this sort of stuff could have worked in the past, it was just what you can see and what you can hear. That was effectively what was happening in World War I and World War II. But now we have all of these sensors and radars. How could you trick this stuff? Well, the army is smart. Right, and and they have found a way to mimic the infrared. Now, the thing that blows my mind with this, I cannot get my head around. So, occasionally, real tanks carry a dummy tank on board to deploy when needed because it's incredibly cheap and breaks down to a very like small package. So, in my mind, I imagine they press a button and then there's like this kind of like explosion and this big inflatable comes out on the back (laughs) and then they just leave it there. Yeah. So this this modern decoy cost about thirty three hundred dollars. A real tank cost like over four million dollars. So you know, we should buy one. We should buy one. Go join Ingenious. We will spend our membership money on buying a fake M one. Yep. You know, you're talking about like how small it is, how easy it is to take around. According to this Wikipedia article on dummy tanks, it weighs only fifty pounds and fits in a duffel bag, which is crazy. <laughs> What's and, it made of? <laughs> well, it's in, well, I mean, it's it's inflatable, so that you have a uh, you have a small generator uh, that can inflate it and. Uh, it says that two people can erect the decoy in just a few minutes. So yeah, you just like carry it around in a backpack. And if you need a fake tank to scare somebody, you just uh, stick it out the back, blow it up, and you're you're in business. We should get one. It's completely nuts. Completely nuts that it's still a thing. So why would you why would you want to do this? If you're an army, if you're in, in warfare, why is this important? The ability to mislead the enemy, like like they did at Normandy. Hey, there's a lot of activity over here, but really. We're doing something over here. Don't look at us, what we're actually doing. You can appear bigger than you are. But I think the heart of it, even even in this modern time, is it to give the enemy a choice to make where you are in control of their choice, right? So if you are going to uh, cut down an enemy or you want to investigate, uh, or you want them to investigate or attack multiple sites, like you are in control of that situation. Like you are the puppet master building the world in which they're making their decisions. It's really kind of genius. One thing that I cannot get my head around with this, right, is why is there not a movie about this ghost army? Like there's a documentary, but this is like an incredible movie property. Uh, like it just feels like something that would be a great movie, but there isn't one. Um, I think that this kind of thing, you know, we know about the M1 Abrams tank, but this stuff is definitely continuing today. Like, there are much, there've got to be many more modern tactics in how this type of thing would be done, even if it's down to just like tricking computers in some way. You know, I figure that might be the way that this stuff is mainly done today, but it's such a smart way to deal with warfare. Like, you know, I, I figured that when I was looking at all of this stuff, there's no way an inflatable tank would work today because people are smarter than that. But then the M1 Abrams kind of proved me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think the, the Abrams decoy is a really like perfect example of it, that it is still sort of really basic, but they're having to add things to it yep. to, to trick the technology in use, right? I mean, World War II, you didn't have things like uh, GPS satellites 
that could you know see a nickel on the on the, on the roof of a building right the detail and the complexity obviously has to go up but to your point maybe that's not inflatable tanks anymore but you've got to know that not only the US military but but any military worth its salt is is actively working on deceptive tactics in warfare i mean it just it just seems like such an obvious addition to any sort of like straightforward combat it's also uh, kind of a funny take on the bouncy castle. <laughs> do, you, do you think that they were created to like to trick medieval armies into storming the wrong castle? Maybe that's how the bouncy castle. I like that you call it bouncy castle as well because you guys call it the bouncy house, right? If I'm if I'm right in thinking that bouncy castle. Yeah, that's what I've always thought it as. That is the ghost. The Ghost Army, that is Dummy Tanks. If you want to learn more, Mike mentioned a, a documentary. We'll have a link to that in the show notes this week. Also, a couple articles worth reading, one at The Atlantic and one at the Smithsonian Magazine about the uh, the work of the Ghost Army. If you want to see those links, you can look in your podcast app of choice, or you can look on our website, relay.fm slash ungeniused slash three. Uh, if you go to that page, there are some contact links. You can send us an email. You can find us on Twitter. The show is at ungeniused. Mike is at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. I am at ISMH on Twitter. We'd love to uh, hear show ideas. Our show topic list is getting longer and longer, so thank you for people uh, who have sent things in. There's a an endless list in there, it seems like, and we're going to be working our way through it. If you're enjoying the show and there's people in your life that you think would really benefit from this incredible amount of interesting information that you could probably never use, suggest them to listen to Ungenius. Yeah, absolutely. What what I'm enjoying so much about it is that we've, you know, we've three episodes in and no three of our episodes are anywhere close to each other in topic. <laughs> so that's super fun. I think that's it, Mike. Thanks for listening. Adios.